This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be a dog till I die. Between the hedges, look it fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'ma do my dance, make it look fine. Coach, put me in the game. UGA, yeah, the name. Yeah, the offense gonna turn up, but the defense gonna win us the game. Here's your host, Corey Burton. Welcome into another edition of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Question is, do you believe? Well, I certainly believe this new series is going to be outstanding. Uh, it's a series that where we bring uh, regular fans with unique perspectives on uh, the show to talk about not only the Georgia Dogs, but to also talk about things that are going on in their world. So on today's edition of the Tailgate Series, we are going to welcome in uh, GHSA coaches, uh, Josh Lovelady from uh, the head football coach at Mill Creek High School. We're also going to welcome in Corey Mobs, the head football coach at Lanier High School, and then also Jeremy Huckabee, the head girls basketball coach at Mill Creek High School. Uh, they're all going to come in, uh, talk not only talk about the dogs, but also talk about their programs and what the GHSA has done uh, with their COVID-19 response. I know different states do different things with high school. Uh, Georgia has certainly uh, elected to start after Labor Day, and I think that's a really smart decision because it kind of gives you a chance to not only just kind of sort out the uh, how the cases are, are sprouting up among high schoolers and evaluate that, but it also gives you a chance to uh, get all of your ducks in a row logistically just to make sure that uh, you have everything in line uh, and ready to go so that uh, you can try to proceed as normal as possible. So uh, again, I uh, want, uh, want to thank these guys for coming on. Um, high school coaches are the lifeblood of football. College football wouldn't be what it, what it is if we didn't have great high school coaches all around this country and especially in the state of Georgia. So we definitely appreciate those guys. And, uh, you know, with Jeremy's perspective, I'm, I'm interested to see how that works out for basketball, uh, things like that. So uh, without further ado, let's get on with the tailgate series. Enjoy and go dogs. Welcome to the first edition of the tailgate series on the believe in Georgia dogs podcast. I'm joined by three fine gentlemen uh jeremy huckabee the head girls basketball coach at mill creek high school you have Corey mobs the head football coach at lanier high school and you have josh lovelady the head football coach at mill creek high school gentlemen how you doing doing well doing great thanks for, thanks for having us doing great excited to be here Corey. 
Absolutely. Well, one of the things that, that our listenership and, and the Georgia fan base is interested in is Georgia high school football or Georgia high school sports in general. So uh, the first thing I want to talk about is just kind of how you guys feel that uh, GHSA, uh, the, the decisions they've made, uh, how they've handled it. Do you guys think they've, they've done a good job? Go ahead, Corey. I'll let you yeah. start. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think GHSA is committed to playing football, uh, to, to moving forward with sports. Um, you know, I think the, the idea of pushing the season back had to do with certain counties that needed a little bit more time to uh, kick the can down the road, so to speak. Um, you know, I'm afraid that, uh, you know, some of those folks might not be involved in what we're doing. But I do believe that Gwinnett County, um, I think the other two guys will speak for this, that Gwinnett has kind of set the tone with how important this is, what it means to our kids, what it means to our communities. Uh, to me, football is the doorstep of every of every school because not because it's football and not because I'm biased because I'm a head football coach, but because it's the first sport of the season. And uh, you get butts in the seats and people come to games and it, it matters. So um, Georgia High School Association, you know, to our knowledge, is pushing forward. I think our kids need to be in school and also playing football, and, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Corey, it should be noted these guys have been been working since what June sixth, June first. Yeah. I mean, they've been practicing, conditioning, doing all that for nearly two months. You know, we here at Mill Creek, we've had four or five hundred kids on campus in July any given day, and it it seemed to run smoothly. Yeah, oh, yeah. logistics wise, it was tough. I mean, because we started football started early, one of the first ones, and we had pods of twenty kids. So when you divide that into, I have got we had 170 kids and they want to come. They want it, they missed it. The good thing is, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Whenever those kids were just doing zooms in March and April and May, it's kind of like holy cow, and you finally gonna let us get back in the field house. So they did, but you had to, we had to do screening right, and they only allowed us to have 20 kids on campus at one time. And so if you worked them out for an hour and a half, even two hours or whatever it may be, then we were going. We would start at 6 a.m. in the morning. And then we would end at six thirty at night, so it was a twelve-hour shift. And then you you had to be very very selective as far as you can only have certain coaches with certain groups. You had to have a staff that that worked. And then you had probably the biggest worry I have, and I don't know if Corey can you know agrees, but we never have, in twenty-five years have had to work out kids in the afternoon in June. You know, usually it's the morning. You know, if you did anything on a day, it would be like a seven-on-seven seven one day. But you're talking about we had to have skill kids doing stuff outside, run outside at two o'clock in the afternoon. And that's tough because – and then especially when they cut off your water and they have, you can't do buffaloes, you can't do a water fountain. Uh, there were some logistics that were big time in June, and then they started opening us up to 50 uh, later. And then uh, just now this week we've been opened up for the whole 100. But um, probably the biggest hurt we had in, in at Gwinnett was you had the GHSA, and, and let's be honest, they also you had the Georgia High School um, – not the high school association, but the head co the head coaches association, which is kind of our local, our state um, football association that's put together some head football coaches that have, have committee that would help the GHSA give some on the boots on the ground kind of con consultation, wherever it is. But <clears throat> they helped out kind of forming a plan. And, and I think a little bit they listened and, and help, you know, help us with some decisions. But you had the GHSA would say one thing, and then it'd be like, okay, well, we're ready to go on Monday. Well, no, 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 Gwinnett County would say, we need to make sure we got our protocols. And, and then and then it came down to local school, can you handle it uh, with your trainers or whatever it may be. So it, logistically, it was, it's been pretty tough. 
Yeah, trainers have been unbelievable here, in, in my opinion. Now, we came in on phase two, so a lot of the logistical nightmares that uh, these two guys had to deal with, you know, I, I didn't have to deal with. And, of course, my group isn't near as big as, as you guys are, so – yeah. So um, what? Uh, so Corey, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this one to you. Like, what what are some of the su- specific screening processes, uh, and and what are some things you have to do now with with uh, shoulder pads? Are you all allowed in the locker room? Do you have to spray down everything? What's the, yes. what's the logistics that you guys? Yes. So Gwinnett opened the locker rooms uh, this past Wednesday, and uh, we began to issue equipment. You still have to social distance. Kids got to have masks on in the building. Um, so, you know, I, I try to look – everything we do as coaches in general is try to look at the positive side of the rules and the, and the guidelines you begin. We talk to our kids all the time about controlling what you can control. I think what it's done is really allowed you to examine every piece of your program, how you go about doing things. And a lot of the things that you did or have done are way different because of the new rules. Um, and, you know, just as far as using locker rooms, spacing kids out in the weight room, you know, maybe more groups than you normally would on the field how you take breaks, how long your periods are, where kids go when they take breaks, you know, how you're hydrating, things like Josh mentioned. You know, all of those – you know, I'd say this, and, and, of course, we always work hard, but this summer our coaching staff has probably worked harder this summer than they ever have as coaches. And so you find out who really wants to be here, number one. And number two, our attendance has been better than ever because, like Josh said, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And I think I think that's a that's an indication of what people want. They want to be in schools. They want their kids to have an outlet. That's what their passion is. And uh, luckily, we've been able to continue to provide that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can speak for for Tennessee. We we have uh, you know Tennessee opened things up about the same time uh, for that they opened it up for y'all. But uh, for us in Metro uh, Metro Nashville Public Schools. They didn't allow us until well after the dead period, uh, which I think was the second week in July. It was the first time we were able – we haven't been practicing long. It was the first time we were able to even get out, and we have to call it conditioning. We're not – we're just now allowed to start acclimating with, with helmets. So we're, uh, we're, we're very far behind um, in our district. But uh, the screening processes and things that are in place now I think will be beneficial. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad that um, – you know, I'm glad that the state has pressed on um, with with their schedule, I, I wish logistically wise and and for the sake of all these programs that need to get their kids ready, I wish they would have pushed it back to Labor Day, just so that some of these programs that have been preparing for a, a, a mid September start date could still get ready adequately um, for contact. Uh, that that's going to be the main concern now in Tennessee is are these kids ready for contact? Much less you know spread the virus, but are they going to be ready for contact? Are their bodies going to be able to absorb those shots? And uh, that's something that we were concerned with because we don't have a lot of depth. Um, and we would, we would average 25 to 30 at, at workouts before. Now we're averaging 45 to 50. So our numbers have definitely increased because, A, we have a good, great group of seniors, and, B, as Josh said, heart, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. So, um, Jeremy, how does it affect basketball? Well, you know, our, our big month is June. You know, we, we, we practice in June. We, we – have anywhere between 15 and 20 practices, play a handful of games, go to camp, and then they play AAU circuit ball in, in July. And, you know, so we didn't have anything in June. They, you know, here in Gwinnett, they wouldn't let us do anything with the basketball in June. So we started in July. You know, our numbers are down because we got girls playing other sports and, you know, you can't cross over and, and, you know, train with two different sports. You got to stay with the same group. So, 
you know, that, that part's been difficult, but uh, we had 12 good workouts and, you know, I'm you know excited for the year. I, I'm just want to get rolling, you know, let's, I think kids need to be back in school and, and, uh, and we need to get this thing going. Josh, is there anything from the virtual experience that you're going to, that, that you really loved and, and going to carry over into just your regular protocols now? It's funny you say that because last, last night after practice, we had a, you know, we're moving things around so much to, like Corey said, you know, keeping kids within so many minutes, watching film, you know, moving people around where they're not interacting. Like, like literally I had a team meeting on the field and kids were spread out between the thirties and thirties. You can't have them and and it's tough uh, with that, but probably the virtual part of we talked about last night is once school starts back or even right now, go ahead and start like a nine o'clock, whatever it is, because they don't have anything. The kids don't, but we do have pre-planning, but when school starts back is having a wake-up Zoom. What I mean by that is, is 15, 20 minutes is like the wide receivers. You're going to have a Zoom session. We're going to watch a little bit of film, maybe have an install at 7 o'clock. And that way, hey, at 7.20, guys, that way they're up. You know, because uh, one of the things I think at Mill Creek that I can – and I'm sure Corey known his character is we're going to have teachers sitting there saying, hey, Billy's not in with us. You know, he's hadn't showed up the first period. He hadn't come in there. And they'll be and we want him to not know that. Um, but if we get him out of bed and, and get him going at seven o'clock, we're talking about doing a mandatory zoom. And if you don't make it, then you're going to have a, you know, sled or whatever it may be after practice. I like that. I'm, hey, I'm writing that down right now. I like that <laughs> idea. I, I'm going I'm to I'm adopt that. I, I can say for, for personal experience, I, I, I listened to one of Josh's uh, uh, zooms at the beach. We, uh, we were with another family that plays football. Uh, here at Mill Creek, and it was excellent, man. I was just sitting there; it was great. Leadership, communication, um, fantastic. You do a great job with that, Josh. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good kids. So, they are. You have to, you have, to have great kids. But uh, Corey, before uh, as you answer as you answer, Josh, uh, also address like how how this is going to affect staff meetings. Are you going to go more virtual with staff meetings, even outside of a pandemic setting? Um. I don't know if I'm ready to go virtual with staff meetings yet. Um, you know, that's a tough question w- with the kids. You know, we have talked about what film session looks like and like, kind of like what coach Lovelady has mentioned is, you know, can we get it done on zoom? Is that a way for us to, you know, you talk about space in a building and sometimes you split your positions all over the field house. Well, that's not necessarily an option right now, unless you really can space out, you know, uh, six feet apart, especially for, you know, Josh, I think he said 170 kids. we got about 120 kids in our program, so maybe it's a little bit easier for us. But at the same time, you know, we've got to use every minute that we have when we're on the practice field and can be in the field house distanced apart. So the virtual part, I, I think what we've learned through, you know, really starting in March with our kids, we, we try to figure out how we're going to engage them. And so we got on Zoom, and it's been a great tool. Um, we've been able to, you know, like, like Jeremy said, share our heart, who we are, what our program is about and continue to pour into our kids. Um, and our kids during this time have needed it more than ever. And what I worry about with going virtual is the kids that I normally track down in the building now, and, and we're willing to do this work, but now we're doing double work. We're tracking them through their teachers, what they're doing online. You know, I think that's a great idea to get them up early, do a wake up call. So, you know, they're up because inevitably every teacher I'm going to reach out to and, and we're going to get this thing figured out because that's what we do for kids and football aside, 
you know, we know why we're here from an education standpoint. Um, and that's who I worry about virtually when you don't get them in the building uh, on a day-to-day basis. Anybody? Uh, Jeremy, how, how, is, how do you think it's going to be held uh, or how do you think it's going to be uh, done with basketball? Are you going to uh, adopt anything? Uh, well, I, I, look, if we can make football season happen, I, I think we can make everything happen. I, I, I'm kind of glad that y'all have to go through this before we do. Um, <laughs> my biggest worry is flu season happening in the wintertime and, and we get shut down and our season gets shut down. And, and I, I don't think personally I can handle that mentally. Uh, so I do worry about the kids and their mental state. Um, but, you know, I think by the time it gets to us, a lot of the – like we had this summer, a lot of the kinks will be worked out. And, you know, I, I think I think the longer this thing goes, the, the more we get towards October and November for me, um, I think a lot of the stuff will be eased out, the strict restrictions and, and all that sort of thing. At least I'm hoping. But if not, we'll, we'll, we'll do wake-up Zooms if we're still virtual. I think that's a great idea. Uh, we'll definitely have to look at different ways to connect with the kids. Um, now, I, I'm a little bit different. Most of our, our players are really good in the classroom. Uh, we really don't have to worry about grades that much. Uh, our, our girls are, are really good academically, to be honest with you. we got a couple, but, but uh, I, I don't have as big a group, and, and um, it's a lot easier to manage. All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna give you guys, uh, Josh and, and Corey. I'm gonna give you guys a chance to kind of preview your teams, and then we'll we'll start talking college football. But uh, Josh, uh, what is Mill Creek gonna look like this year? That's a great question. I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in you know, in Gwinnett County and and everything else, we try, and I can probably speak for a lot of the programs that are, are successful, like Coach Mobs, is that you try not to rebuild; you just try to reload. Um, but spring is such a huge tool for that to say, okay, is that junior that's going to be a senior? Are they ready? That guy that rolled in is now, can they be a whole, a starter? Um, so it's, it, there's a lot of questions. I think, you know, we got a good group of kids, some athletic. We're probably, um, if you put on paper, we probably have four starters on offense and defense back. Um, our strengths are kind of unique to Mill Creek. I know you're not you know familiar with Georgia so much, but, uh, usually we have, a the offensive line is kind of one of our, our bread and butters and, and run the football and then come play action and, and throw it off of it. But uh, we have to place four and a half starters. I got one kid that's got a knee injury right now that was only returning starter. So um, we're a question mark there. Got one of the leading rushers in the state that, that was graduated last year. So um, we've got some skilled people um, that come that are coming about and some young that's going to be strength in our defense. We've got a couple guys um, on the defensive front. Uh, that's going to be strong for us. So, uh, and a kicking game. We 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 spend a lot of time on kicking games. So we've got a um, uh, a couple young men that are going to be real competitive as far as shortening the field uh, or lengthening it. Um, and I think that's going to be a major thing for a lot of football coaches this year because um, the special teams where you may be behind offensively or defensive, you know, identifying who your personality is, um, and you may have to just rely on field position to, to for opportunities. I mean, you can't understate special teams. I mean, the kicking game. I, there was a game that kept us out of the playoffs last year, um, where um, we gave up a kick return for a touchdown that just turned the momentum of the game, and and they scored fourteen really quick unanswered points. We had them down. I mean, they were they were about ready to quit. We score a touchdown, and one of our kids does the double birds in the end zone, gets a fifteen yard penalty enforced on the kickoff. We kick it. We missed four tackles, and the guy takes it to the house, and then. 
uh, the next series, um, they, uh, you know, they, they cram it down our throat and score. And we just, you know, and we had it. And actually on that series, uh, we had an interception uh, opportunity where it hit the, it hit the kid right in the hands and it just fell to the turf. And uh, that would have sealed it for us, but I'm not blaming that kid, but it would have sealed us for, it would have sealed it for us. And, uh, and we just, we ended up losing um, and, and ended up missing the playoffs. So, uh, Coach Miles, what, what's the uh, the Longhorns going to look like? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna plead the fifth. No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> you know, I tell you, not having spring, not having OTAs in summer. You know, yeah. there's a lot of unknowns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we feel good about the nucleus that we got coming back offensively. We got four uh, offensive linemen back. Um, our offense coordinator Matt Jones has been with us. This is going on year three. Does a tremendous job. I tell you, stability is huge, especially at that position. And when you find the right guy. Uh, man, it, it's just fun to watch your guys improve. So we're excited about that group. We have a returning starter at quarterback um, that that we, we think has got a, a really good chance to, to be a good player. Uh, some skill guys sprinkled in. We lost a 1,500-yard rusher from last year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see who that guy is that steps up. We've got a couple options. Uh, one thing that we've, you know, always prided ourselves on is, is, is playing real tough defense. And, and it's kind of different this year. Our secondary we feel pretty good about. Um, up front, there's a lot of question marks. Um, now our defensive staff does a tremendous job. Um, you know, a lot of our a lot of our you know top line players in the past have been defensive guys. You know, we don't necessarily have those names this year. But what's exciting, I think, with what we do, kind of what Coach Loveland had mentioned is, man, who's going to be that guy that steps up? And it's not about you know rebuilding. It's about reloading and and enjoying the process of a kid that maybe didn't play much as a junior becoming a major contributor as a senior and a starter. And in a program, you hope you've established kind of that, that legacy to where kids understand that they may have to work three and a half years, their butts off with no results to get that shot as a senior. So we've got a couple guys that are in that role, um, some good young talents. So, you know, a lot of unknowns. Um, our region has become tougher than, than, it, than, you know, top to bottom than it has been. I've got some teams in there that that really you're just trying to survive every Friday night. And uh, we feel like if we can do that um, in 6A, top to bottom 6A is tremendous. And you get to the playoffs, you give yourself a shot with with the tough schedule that you play. Kind of similar to what 7A, the region that that Coach Lovelady's in. And every night it is a knockdown drag out. And if you're not ready, you can can really be exposed. So we're just, you know, going to continue to – we say all the time just working on 1-0, and that's true every day too. Absolutely. I mean, we, we're preaching our guys just get better each and every day, even just increase 1%, just get better 1% every day and, and, and you'll work your way up to a hundred. So, um, yeah, we're, uh, for, for Hillwood, we, we're gonna, we return a lot of skill. We return our entire skill unit. Um, uh, we have a pre-state, we have a preseason all-state receiver, um, Avion Brown, um, who can go and who could go and get it. We're not, uh, the, the depth that we have is, is probably not uh, the same numbers, um, numbers wise, but I think we got some quality kids, uh, at least in the starting units, um, that can, uh, that can go and get it. So we're, we're going to be very competitive. Um, something that our school doesn't have a tradition of being, uh, but I think this, this year's group can kind of change that tide. We got a brand new quarterback who's being, uh, he's got two offers now. He's six, five, you know, two twenty. you know, can run a little bit and can sling it. So, uh, we're gonna we're gonna be tossing the ball around a lot uh, this year. We replace three starters 
on the offensive line. Um, so that's always tough. Uh, defensively, we were that was a strength of ours last year, and we returned a lot of starters on defense. So we should be playing a lot of good defense at, at Hillwood. So I'm excited uh, about that. I'm, I'm the offensive coordinator there at Hillwood, so um, I, I got a lot of weapons at my disposal. So uh, let's talk college. Uh, Jeremy, um, SEC came out, 10-game, conference-only schedule. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on on, on that? And uh, are you going to miss playing? Are you going to miss the dogs playing Georgia Tech? Always miss the dogs playing Georgia Tech, man. I I love that game. Golly, I love that game. Um, especially last year, fifty-two to seven. Um, yeah, I, ten game <laughs> schedule. I think I saw someone tweet out. Uh, you know, if you can make it through this, you, you know, I mean, you might as well crown them. You can go undefeated in the SEC ten straight weeks. It's it's going to be it's going to be exciting. I wish it was starting earlier. I don't. I'm not thrilled with the September 26th start, but but playing all SEC, taking out all the cupcakes. Uh, not that Georgia had many cupcakes this year, um, but uh, I I'm excited about the dogs. I'm excited about the defense. Uh, I, you know the way we defend the run, and I just think uh, the addition with Jamie Newman at quarterback, and you know Pickens and some of the wideouts they brought in, and you know, I, I really, I really, really feel like uh, uh, three is going to have a huge year running back. You know, I think we're going to see his five-star potential come through. Um, I'm excited about it. Uh, I think it's a hell of a schedule, heck of a schedule. Um, you know, we got Florida, Tennessee, obviously, everybody in the SEC East, crossover play Bama, what we had, Mississippi State and, and Arkansas. I, I, that's not official, but, yeah, that's what that's what it's looking like. And then our permanent crossover is Auburn. So, you know, yeah, uh, and, I mean, and Coach Mobs, you know um, what Auburn ha- brings to the table. Uh, they just, luckily for us, they just graduated some kid named Derek Brown. Uh, who got drafted? Um, so uh, luckily, luckily we don't have to deal with him and Marlon Davidson at the same time. So um, you know, Derek Brown was a heck of a basketball player too. Yes, yes, he was. Well, I mean, he was just a hell of an athlete all all around. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, what was it like coaching him? I, not to get back off topic here, but what was it like? You know, what was what was he like? Uh, you know, you, you, it's one of those stories that you try not to overcoach a kid, honestly. Um, he is he is a generational talent, and I think what's what's been neat is not you know you can look at his football deal, but he is such a great kid, and everything that you want a ambassador for your community to be is 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 who he is, um, and then he comes back you know every time he's in town he comes through and, and just hangs out, and uh, it's really cool for our kids to see, and really you know early on when we were young as a school he had. A, choice you know you can imagine I won't name names folks that came after him and his parents decided they were Longhorns and they continued to come after him and they decided they were they were he was Longhorn and um, it really has has set us up for success because he decided that loyalty matters and that describes who he is so coaching him I mean you know he did some things on the field that that six five 320 pound high schoolers are not supposed to do played quarterback for us, uh, played uh, caught a touchdown pass, uh, played some running back. That's just kind of who he was. And, and obviously that's why he was the number seven overall pick in this year's draft and was a heck of a basketball player as well. Yes, I'm, I must add, he had some good coaching uh, on, on both That's sides, right. So. That's right. Um, so what are, what are your thoughts on the, on the schedule? What um, You know, are you are you pleased with it? Is it going to be, you know, are you pleased with the timeline? What What's, uh, what's your thoughts on the schedule? Yeah, I, I'm on – stick with Jeremy I'm kind of disappointed they pushed it back you know I'm imagining and this is just me thinking that they're concerned when students return to school 
how they're going to handle all that. And they're not necessarily in a bubble, you know, so, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, political, political ramifications, not to go into that too deeply with, with what's going on in our country right now. Um, I think that, you know, obviously the safety of kids is, is the utmost, but I think, you know, what we've, we've shown is that it's, it's possible. It's possible at the high school level. And so I'm not sure what kicking it, kicking the can down the road and, and extending the season does other than like coach Lovelady said, somebody's not ready to make a decision. Um, and, and, and nobody really, I don't want to call it guts, but, um, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta move on in, in all aspects of what we do. And kids are at stake to be honest, and they need to be uh, on college campuses. They need to be playing football and they need to be with their teammates. And so, I'm glad that, you know, obviously the plan is to play. Uh, the conference schedule is going to be going to be interesting. And uh, I, I would agree with Jeremy that, you know, you go undefeated in, on the, in that gauntlet, you probably deserve to be crowned as the national champ. I'd, I'd say this too, Corey, that those kids are safe on uh, – probably the safest on campus with all the medical and, and, and nutrition and, and everything that, 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 that SEC schools, ACC schools, Power 5 schools – that they provide, I, I just, I mean, let's, yeah, let's get I rolling. Mean, yeah, I would say, you know, the I, I think the biggest factor in them pushing it back was to kind of plan logistically, I think, uh, beyond the political stuff that, you know, they don't want to be the ones that it falls onto. They're going to let they're going to let the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the ACC, they're going to let all them take the hits early on, like if something like with the Marlins happens where you get a full-team outbreak or whatever the case may be. Um, I think they're allowing themselves some flexibility, uh, which I think for that aspect, logistically and planning um, and orchestrating a 10-game conference-only schedule where you have to bring in two new crossover opponents, you have to strategically place bye weeks, you have to you have to probably rearrange the existing schedule to make sure your home and away splits are not only even, but you're not taking four road trips in a row uh, because that can be, you know, Health-wise, that can have some ramifications being trapped in a plane or on a bus or whatever for a long period of time. So there's a lot of stuff they have to get worked out protocol-wise, logistically-wise, which I think is smart because I think if you try to rush that kind of thing, uh, you know, your product might suffer. And, and I, you know, I think GHSA, uh, part of their plan was logistically trying to get the protocols in place, which I think uh, will help let you guys do what, do what you do. Um, and not have to worry about trying to keep up with the ever-changing, um, I guess, protocols that that come in place with the with the new caseloads, and they're going to let the cases drop a little bit too. And I think optically, it looks good that they're that they're concerned. And you know, there's a whole lot of things that it looks good on. Um, but again, I, I agree with all you guys. They need to be on campuses. They need to be training. They need to be with the medical staff. And I think that's where, where they benefit. And I think they will be, I think they're going to still remain on campus. I don't know what their training camp protocols are. They're still ironing all those details out. So uh, Josh, do you, um, I mean, logistically, you know, they probably don't have as much um, with, you know, the, the same problems that high school does because they have the budgets to, to overcome all that stuff. But do you, do you, do you agree with, uh, with Josh? I mean, do you think it's, uh, or do you agree with uh, Corey and, and Jeremy with the, uh, logistically things um is it is well it- <clears throat> i think two things that have come through the, you know the recruiters are still calling us and, you know Corey and i 
as far as our kids. And um, they're having to use a lot of, hey, you know, word of mouth, uh, character references, things like that, because they get, haven't been able to see them for a while. But the two big things, they're learning just like us, which is good to hear. You know, I, I was talking to a major SEC coach the other day, and they sent their kids home, you know, for two weeks, all of them, because they then they realized they had to reshuffle their team because they had roommates. Well, then if you got, you know, if I'm over here in room with Jeremy and I get it, so they ended up saying, well, we got free dorms, I mean, open dorms because school wasn't on, let's spread them all out. And then they had to sit there and realize also there's nothing to do, so to speak, with these kids because uh, they're not allowed to be with their coaches. They're with their strength guys in pods or whatever it is. Uh, then they'll go, go pick up a pick up basketball game. Well, then it's six other guys that play football, and they were banged. You know, then the, so they were going through some of the same logistics that we're having to do, but a little bit later. They, they, we were the guinea pigs, I think, for a lot of it. I've had more college coaches ask us what, what we're doing, which is kind of unique. Normally, it's the other way around. Like, how are you going to block the three technique that we're asking the newest, greatest things in college? Now they're going, like, how do you all deal with this? Um, I think that's, that's really hit them as far as logistics. I also think the, the, the time – They've all. I know. I talked to Georgia. Um, I was Todd Hartley and I. Their kids playing the same baseball. Um, he was talking about. He literally has not still they, until this last week been zooms. He says we've got it quote offense in, but it's a long way. And then and they're changing up things. Mm-hmm. Uh, on especially Georgia and everywhere else. When you got new coordinators, the way the way that uh, you know college football is, it seems like they change you know coaches like underwear um, as far as every year. So. The, a lot of them are frustrated because they usually have stuff in by now. And they went out there and, and done some things. I think offense, from the, the thing I'm talking to is offense is going to be ahead of the defense right now because they can go give a script and go zoom it and say, hey, go run these cards, go run this, and, and go give them a, the quarterback the ball. Defensively, you know, I think it's a little bit they're, – they're, they're kind of squealing a little bit because that's when you need to say, okay, if they do this or if they run a bunch, this is how we're going to play it. Or we can play it this way where it's usually a uh, – of game plan situation. So, well, fortunately for the defense, they have a lot of guys coming back. I mean, you have leaders like Monty Rice, Richard LeCount, Eric Stokes, uh, you know, Trayvon, uh, Trayvon Walker, Malik Herring, Jordan Davis, uh, those guys that, that come back, those veteran guys that come back with, with a ton of experience. And a, a lot of these rising sophomores have a ton of experience. Like Lewis Seen, he's going to be a factor in, on, on the back end. You know, you have, um, you know, Quay Walker, Nolan Smith, uh, those guys, you know, Aziz Ojolari, who's coming back with five and a half sacks. I mean, you got some veteran presence there, so it's not it's not like they don't not, they're not going to know the scheme. But I think just just getting in the flow of the defense and, and playing uh, and reacting, I think, is going to be a little bit slower. Which you know, hopefully, you, you you would like to think that with all the experience, that it'd be like riding a bike. It's going to be slow for a couple of days, and then they're going to be right back on on uh, where, where they left off. So. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about the defense, and I think they'll pick it up pretty quickly. I'm really excited about Jamie Newman. Um, everything that I've seen, the stuff that I've watched of him at Wake Forest, just you know, doing what he does with the talent at Wake Forest can only translate um, that much bigger with the talent he's going to have around him at, at Georgia. And I think, well, I think offensively, you talk about bringing in two guys and Todd Monken and uh, uh, Buster Faulkner offensively, uh, mm-hmm. coaching-wise. You know, that's where the spring, I think, for Georgia really hurt. Not not being able to not get put all their stuff in, guys. but man, when those guys get rolling, maybe September twenty sixth is a good date to start. Yeah, I mean, I, I think <laughs> and, uh, you, I think about it. You have plenty of time to get your offense implemented. Exactly. I mean, you have six weeks of training camp, so you have nothing but practice. I mean, some of these guys are going to be getting beat up in games 
things like that. So, but you know, you, you remember when uh, LSU and Clemson had all those cases to start with? Yeah. You you don't hear about that anymore. No, I mean they're recovering. LSU had thirty guys out. Yeah. You know, Clemson had thirty or forty guys, and you don't hear about it anymore. Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in some of the schools that had smaller outbreaks, you don't hear about that stuff anymore because you have staffs that are that are ahead of all that stuff. So, um, Corey, are you? Uh, Jeremy tells me you're a Tennessee fan. <laughs> you're you're yeah. you're a Rocky Top guy. So I'm gonna ask you two questions, okay? Uh, first of all, uh, what does the George what does Georgia look like from a Tennessee perspective? And uh, is Jeremy Pruitt gonna be able to turn things around for for the Vols? Yeah, so a uh, little backstory. I, so my grandfather, starting in the 1950s, had season tickets. I was born in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. So we grew up going to games. I'm not a Tennessee grad. I went to Sanford University. But um, with what I do now, uh, to be honest, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I watch every game on Saturday. But, you know, I, I'm pretty partial to, uh, to my kids. And uh, so I think that's the way you got to be in recruiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with that being said, Georgia's a machine. Um, it always, always has had the capability of being that. Uh, got a lot of respect for for Kirby and, and what those guys are doing. Um, and to kind of piggyback on what Coach Huckabee said, uh, you know, I think adding obviously Coach Monk and Buster Faulkner was actually my high school quarterback. He's two years younger than I am, went to Parkview High School, um, and is a, a talented coach, has always been a winner, has always been a leader. Um, and I think he'll he'll pay dividends for what they're trying to do from an offensive standpoint. I think, you know, if you're not changing, especially in the college game the next year, then then you're behind. And I think I think we're seeing that with Georgia. They know that they need needed something different on offense. You know, they got they dudes. Um, I, I think you know. You ask about your Tennessee question, Jeremy. Jeremy Pruitt's a football coach. Um, got to know him when he was recruiting two of our guys, including Derek Brown. When he was at Alabama, then at Georgia, then back at Alabama. Um, and, you know, the guy's a football coach. Every time he was in our facility, he was on the board. And I think that's been the difference in, in Tennessee's program with, with where they were and now where they're headed. Um, I think we, I don't think we can get ahead of ourselves that they still have ground to make up. But they now have, you know, big dudes, bigger dudes than they had, uh, more athletic guys because of how he recruits. I think you're seeing that right now with, with their recruiting class and kind of the waves they've made in the past this spring. Um, so do I think they're where Georgia is? Absolutely not. But, but give them a couple years. And I think those games will be way more competitive uh, back to where they were when I was growing up and, and where it should be. Yeah. I think Tennessee will end up overtaking Florida as like George as the, the other main competitor in the East. I think it's going to be a Georgia Tennessee division for quite some time, maybe starting next year when they finally get a lot of their stuff in place, they're recruiting really well right now Tennessee is so um it'll be interesting to see kind of what they do I I I respect Jeremy Pruitt a lot as a coach uh, and I think he's done a great job um it's still fun to uh it's still fun to poke fun at him for losing to Georgia State uh paying Georgia State a million dollars to come up there and 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 beat him Uh, I still think that's funny but um I respect him as a coach and uh, I I think he's uh I think he's doing the right things at, at Tennessee um you know, if he can hoop too, he can, man. He when he was recruiting hoop. Derek and and Tyler Taylor, man, he came he came and watched our basketball practices when I was at Lanier, and yeah, man, he came out there. He was he was so, you know, you get these perception of some of these guys, and man, he couldn't have been nicer. He came out, hit about seven threes in a row. Um, I think Tennessee's going to turn the corner big time. Yeah, I hope they don't turn the corner too much. Um, well, I hope I hope Georgia tur- still turns the corner ahead of them, but. 
Um, I think it'll be. I think it's still Kirby's division. Yeah, it's it still is. It'll never be Mullins' division. I can tell you that. Um, That's right. I think we can all agree on that. So, so Josh, um, what do you think offensively is the biggest concern with with Georgia? Or you know, some people will point to the offensive line. Some people will point to the receiving core or the 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 lack of experience at quarterback. Or even um, with all the talent that Georgia has at running back, still you don't have that production uh, coming back like you've had in years past. Um, a lot of talent, but a lot of unproven talent. So what do you think is the biggest concern or the biggest hole or potential hole? Um, well, I think offensive line, on paper, it looks like there's going to be a lot of holes. I mean, you got some major draft picks that you got to replace. Mm-hmm. But also you got to look who's in that room. I think Coach Luke does an extraordinary job. Yeah, Sawyer's uh, going to left tackle. Yeah, and, and you got a guy that was a head coach. He knows how to manage people, but he's also an offensive line guy, and he's always has been a guy that I think that, that – and you're going to see a lot more athletic folks at Georgia on the offensive line as far as what I think what he, he's always recruited here in, in Georgia as far as in Gwinnett, what he likes a little bit different than Sam did. But um, I think receivers and, and your skilled folks, you've got a lot of young folks coming in there that maybe was a little deficit last year. Um, my biggest question – and, again, I'm not a huge – Georgia fan, but I do watch him, um, is probably the quarterback situation. How are they going to manage two transfers and how you, you know, it's one thing to have one transfer, but another two big time pro, big time players. They can both throw it, they can go spin it. Are they going to be able to pick up the, 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 the system where, you know, and, and it's a new system for everybody else, but I think it's all about the trigger guy, in my opinion. And I think he, Jamie, did a lot of good things. Um, at Wake Forest, but he also improvised some things, if that makes sense, and made plays happen with his feet. Uh, is that one of those things the offense is going to allow him to do? Uh, that's my biggest thing is, is, is I think the, the folks around that, like you said, even at your high school, if you got some weapons, which Georgia does, they've recruited tremendously um, on all the fronts, but I think that the trigger guy is going to be the main question for me. Mm-hmm. I'm fortunate to have uh, the trigger guy we have at our high school. And, and you know, I, I think it's going to be, you know, you know who's going to win that quarterback job is going to be um, the, the right guy. And, and I think they're going to call it uh, based on his, his talent. So, Jeremy, um, you spoke about uh, you spoke about Zamir White. Uh, what's behind Zamir White? What, are they going to finally utilize James Cook properly? Uh, does Kenny McIntosh, does he – Factor in does the new. I mean, you're talking about electric guys right there, Cook, McIntosh. I mean, they're, you know, I, that, I think that's been Georgia's problem in the past is just trying to figure out, you know, you, there's only one ball, you know, mm-hmm. um, just trying to figure out how to spread it out, and I think that's what Todd Monken and, and Faulkner and are going to bring to the to the table coaching wise. Uh, I really think that the offensive line. I know that we lost a lot. I think it's more versatile. I think it's going to be more athletic. Um, and, and I, I'm just excited to see what, uh, what Monken's going to do with that group. Uh, I, I don't think they'll be as, as predictable maybe as, as, as in the past couple of years. But they um, won't be because I feel like it's less systematic and just kind of more of feel, feel-based play calling, which I think is the best way to call plays is based on right. feel. Right, and, yeah, and I, I think that's – I, I think Monken is, is going to do a great job and uh, hopefully he'll stay more than a year. That's what I worry about. Yeah. All right. So as we wrap up, guys, I'm going to let you guys – we're going to do this PTI style. I'm going to let you guys take uh, um, parting shots. So, uh, Josh, I'm going to start with you. Parting shot. Where can we find your program on Twitter? Uh, what, what, is, what is the last word that you want to get in? Uh, you can find us on uh, MC Football. Um, and we, we're 
try to be active there. We also have some other Twitter accounts with recruiting and, and we do try to really get going with social media um, as well as our strength program. But um, other than that, I just, I really want football uh, to be the – and I think our athletic program here at Gwinnett County, even the state, is trying to be the front runners. You know, we were talking about – you were talking about maybe the SEC waiting for the Big Ten and ACC. I think we got the flip of that at Georgia High School. I think we're trying to say, hey, you know what? We're going to go out here and play football. And no matter what restrictions you put on us, whether it's time or we can't watch film with uh, social distancing, all this other stuff, you're going to touch each other. Mm-hmm. You're going to touch each other often. And if we can keep it safe – we may be able to get kids back in school. And that's where I think that's the big picture for me is not being selfish for football, but we need to get all the kids. And if we can take data in the next nine weeks and say, hey, you know, it's going to be great for everybody. And um, to have be able to say, hey, if we can do football and cross country and softball and all these things, let's get everybody back in, in school and get back to normalcy. Because I know this, I haven't had one teacher that's really fired up about doing digital. They signed up, whether it was this first year teaching or 30 years ago, to be with kids and be in a classroom with kids. Um, and so that's what what I'm thinking about uh, is our journey right now. Corey, what, what, where can we find Lanier Football? And, uh, you know, what, what are your last words? Yeah, so it's all about Twitter, at Lanier Football. Uh, also, at Lanier Recruits. Uh, we got multiple accounts. LanierFootball.com is our website. Um, you know, we're, it's, it's 2020. If you're not doing those things and you're falling behind and we've got a tremendous staff that, that really um, does the, the grunt work, and I've been blessed to have a very stable staff, much like Josh's staff, um, of guys that, that care about kids. And, and that's why we need this. I know we've talked about this at this point. Um, to see our kids' eyes light up when we were able to return and get back in the building – and do what we love as coaches and as players and as family, um, man, I, there's, there's nothing more pure when you're doing it the right way. And, and they're going to give us rules, and they've given us rules, and they've given us guidelines, and there's going to be new ones, and there's going to be more obstacles. But those that are in it for the right reasons are, are, are ready to hurdle those obstacles so our kids can get on the field and, and, and uh, really just excited about practicing today. All right, Jeremy. Uh, at uh, Mill Creek Girls Basketball, at Coach Huck 22, um, you know, the only thing I'll say is I, I, I'm excited about football. I, last night I watched six straight hours of baseball and basketball, and it, it, I just kept flipping it back and forth between the Braves and, and the games going on down in the bubble. I didn't go to bed till after midnight last night. Uh, I enjoyed it so much just, just watching guys compete, getting after it. I, I don't think I've seen the NBA play that hard in a long time. I mean, those guys were – you know, you guys were talking about absence makes the heart grow fonder and, and guys wanting to really get after it. Uh, I think I saw that last night. I've enjoyed watching the baseball, uh, but I'm ready for some football. Uh, if we can play football, we can get everything back to normal. Um, I, I hate the term new normalcy, unprecedented times. Uh, it's a virus. We fight it with our immune systems. Let's get healthy and let's, uh, let's get back in, in the business of, of being with kids and and doing what uh, we got into this this education business for. Well, Jeremy, you just won COVID bingo, so congratulations. Uh, go see um, go see Coach Love Lady for your prize. Um, <laughs> so uh, you can uh, as as we wrap up, guys. I really do appreciate you joining me. Um, you can find our show at Believe in Dogs on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, that's B L E A V in Dogs. Uh, you can find me personally at Coach Burton thirty six on Twitter. You can find Hillwood Athletics um, at Hillwood Athletics on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. And you can find at Hillwood Football at Hillwood FB 
um, on Twitter as well. And then, uh, so we, we, we throw the social medias uh, out there as well. We don't have multiple accounts like you guys. Uh, we have a general athletics page and then we have our football account that we run, that we run things through. And, um, so it's a, it's a good thing. Uh, our kids are excited. Um, I think Georgia's excited. I think uh, everybody's just kind of chomping at the bit to get live sports. I know I've watched a lot of Australian rules football um, since uh, since this whole thing started. And uh, if you listen to the show that I posted this morning, um, I actually break down which Georgia players would do well in Australian rules football, uh, or at least which ones I think would do well uh, based on my extremely limited knowledge of the sport. So, guys, I want to thank you. Um, listeners, Go support their programs, uh, Mill Creek High School and Lanier High School, uh, two of the premier programs in Gwinnett County. Make sure you go support them. Uh, they do great things within uh, not only their communities but statewide as well. So, gentlemen, happy start of the school year. Hope everything runs smoothly. Uh, we will definitely be watching you, uh, at least in Metro, we will be watching you to see kind of how this whole, uh, I don't want to say experiment, but it kind of is an experiment to see kind of how it goes with uh, GHSA. So uh, best of luck. I hope you guys stay safe, and I hope your kids um, I hope your kids are as fired up as I am um, and for, for the start of football. So, gentlemen, thank you guys, and uh, I appreciate it. Thank you, Corey. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you all for coming. See you. Thank you for listening to the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. Remember, you can find us on social media at Believe in Dogs on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also find us anywhere that you get your podcast. Make sure you subscribe and uh, leave a review. But with that, as always, go dogs. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.